I've been trying to wrestle with the line between poetry and prayer and ultimately realizing there doesn't have to be a line. <laughs> like it can, it can totally blend. And I think it's beautiful when it blends um, because so often I think, I don't know, we almost water down our prayers to God, like assuming he doesn't want to hear it all. Um, even if we feel like we're bursting with thoughts and feelings, I think me personally, I can like restrain them with God a bit. And so I think poetry gives me permission just to do it all, say it all. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore started writing liturgies and prayers for their local church in New York City as a way of helping their friends and co-congregants deal with the isolation and the fear of the COVID-19 lockdowns in that city. Those liturgies grew to become a new book, Liturgies of Hope, 60 Prayers for the Highs, the Lows, and Everything in Between. In this episode, Audrey and Elizabeth and I talk about the connections between poetry and prayer and liturgy, and the connections between creativity and friendship and community. Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore, I'm so happy to have you all on the Habit Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for having us. And I'm really uh, glad uh, about your new book, um, Liturgies for Hope, yes. 60 Prayers. You say 60 Prayers for the Highs, Lows, and Everything in Between. Um, right. So talk to me about how this book came to be. It's kind of an interesting story. <laughs> it is an interesting story. Yeah. I feel like Audrey just actually discovered our original text conversation oh, really? where she <laughs> threw out the idea to me. I think it was March 18th, 2020. Is that right? Yeah. Like, okay, you two should, and a half you should years tell. Ago. Yeah, over two and a half years ago. Or, yeah, two and a half years ago. Yes. Uh, we should preface the backstory with this. It was never meant to be a book. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <Never>. so <laughs> the fact that it's a book is just a continual delight and surprise and yeah. amusing thing to Elizabeth and me. Um, so, yeah, so, so basically two and a half years ago, the seed of an idea was birthed when the world was collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so New York City at the time, which was where we were living and where we currently live as well, um, became known as the epicenter, the global epicenter of the pandemic, which is the scariest label I think you could give a city that you could <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> So people were hoarding toilet paper, you know, lockdowns (laughs) were starting. Um, People were buying up all the NyQuil in the stores, all the thermometers. I couldn't get a thermometer for the life of me. Uh It was was just really scary times as it was for everyone, not just New Yorkers. Um, And so I actually left to quarantine with my family in Elizabeth State in New York. And during that time, I think out of a desperate need I had for connection Mm -hmm. with another writer and friend, I texted Elizabeth on the airplane, which was the scariest plane ride of my life in March 2020. Like first time wearing a mask with a bunch of strangers in masks. And I texted her and I was out of this desperation I personally felt. I was like, I feel like I need words of hope to cling to. And obviously we have scripture, but like as writers, could we create something not similar to scripture, but something based off scripture to kind of ground us into maybe like, ground our church in New York. We both go to Church of the City in New York uh-huh. and we're pretty involved. And so we were just seeing this like confusion and despair and weariness in the congregation and our friends mm-hmm. that go to that church. So um so I texted Elizabeth and I said, what if we wrote 
like prayers, liturgies for different anxieties that we have and that we see other people have Mm -hmm. and gave them to our church and had them do whatever they want with them. What do you think? And then Elizabeth was on board, (laughs) which I (laughs) hoped she would be because I I really didn't want to do it alone. I didn't want to write alone. I don't think anyone wanted to be alone during this time when we were asked to be alone. And so, so that was such a gift, even though we were in different cities, still being connected through this project that we, we did pretty fast. We wrote, was it 11 or 13 liturgies over the course of one weekend um, because we wanted to get them out there because the like urgency of the moment felt so real. Mm -hmm. We were like, we can't wait a second longer to, to get this out to people we love who we see are struggling like we are. Yeah, so. this was March of 2020 that yeah. this started? Right, yeah. of everything. And then you released the first batch around Easter, right? Yes. You, you released them to your, to your congregation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so some great friends of ours who um, are creators themselves at Church of the City, they really rallied with us and helped us mm-hmm. build a website to house the liturgies. Um, so major shout out to Chris Lowe. Jeff Walden, Kristen Smith, especially, who they basically just saw the like, I think the hope in this project, which we haphazardly called Liturgies for Hope. And it ended up being the name of the the eventual book, which is hilarious, Jess. That is hilarious. Um, (laughs) We never meant that to be the title, but no, I like slapped it it on the Google Doc and I was like, Liturgies for Hope. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, that's the book title. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Full circle. Um, So they, basically helped us build this amazing website that was filled with color and life and all these things we felt like we were missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we released it on Easter Sunday, 2020, which was one of the wildest Easter's I think in my life I've ever experienced um, on this day when we're celebrating hope, but maybe we didn't really feel it that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that was, that was their release. Yeah, I love that that connection between both friendship and also the wider community that you were writing for a, yeah. you know, people you knew. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And it was a time when our pastor John Tyson he was like, "This is the time when we're all going to be binging really bad content because we're yeah. all stressed, yeah. we're all experiencing anxiety, we're all going to be like watching Tiger King or whatever." Uh, and so. Yeah. Audrey and I, and, and also Church of the City places a strong value in like using our, whatever our giftings are, however unique they may be to serve God and to serve each other. And so Audrey and I feel a strong kinship to each other as writers and as artists. And so I love that it was Audrey's idea to serve the church through our creative giftings. Um, and it was so fun. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the, there is a necessary I say necessary, it seems to me pretty necessary component of writing that involves being alone. Um, mm-hmm, you right. have to go in the cave and do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, it, it's this this odd thing that you have to be alone to do. You tend to have to be alone to do it, but you're hoping that you're not, you're not doing it. Uh, you're doing it as an act of defying loneliness. Yeah. And yeah, you're not doing it to stay alone. What, what's yeah. that? You're not right. You have to write alone, but you're not doing it to stay alone. Like the end product yeah. is hopefully to connect with other people. And yeah. 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 So I love the, the way that, that your that story um, is sort of an exaggerated version of what's true of all writing and creative work. 
Yes, yeah. such an extreme example. Yeah, of yes, that creativity for sure. Yeah, and in writing, I just love that you're writing for your people, and and mm-hmm. you know, and then as it turns out, there's a wider, a wider world that will benefit from that work. But yeah, but it was and the, the the solitude was beautiful too. I think like I. I think this was in my text to Audrey. We just discovered these today. <laughs> Our, yeah. That initial text. We have received. Um, yeah, that I, I remember I texted her and was like, these surprisingly, like those mornings in March, 2020 were so, maybe they started out kind of anxious, but they immediately pushed me into like the comfort of the Lord because I needed it so badly. So I mm-hmm. texted Audrey and I was like, weirdly, the past few mornings have been so, rich and like sweet time with God because I need him so intensely. And so like that's like what the liturgies were born out of was like we need like intimacy with God so deeply. And this is how we experience one of the ways we experience intimacy with God as writer is as writers is through writing. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that yeah, like you're saying you have to be alone to write and we did. Um but even that was like beautiful. Like that kind of made well, obviously, liturgies are prayer, but um, yeah. but the process of writing these liturgies are so filled with prayer, just in the presence yeah. of God, like asking Him, like, "What do you want to say to us? What do you want us to say to you?" Like, yeah. help. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think that's yeah. why we're able to write them so quickly. Like, all of them got done over the course of a weekend because uh-huh. we were just writing from a place of deep dependence on God, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was essentially us praying like through our our keyboards as we were writing our drafts i think that's why they came so fast was because we knew we weren't writing for like a publication or we weren't writing something that was going to be graded or like (laughs) um you know you know what i mean it was it was it was meant for god and i would say it was meant even more for god than it was for our church like Mm. it was like our way of communicating with him in that very confusing time yeah yeah have y'all uh, done any thinking about the connection between poetry and prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the looks I, of the liturgies, you know. <laughs> we have we thought about it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I didn't start writing poetry till after I wrote these liturgies. Like these liturgies for me were like my first kind of foray into the poetic form. And now I write poems all the time. So I think that was really opened up my mind to see how writing poetry can be a form of prayer because i think Mm -hmm. that like poetry is our way of like not really finding answers but a way of like kind of discovering our way through something Mm -hmm. um and poetry is honest poetry is messy but also like or it's poetry is like a way of putting form around something that can be messy Mm -hmm. um and i think that's all prayer should be like prayer should be honest and it should be Mm -hmm. messy and Mm -hmm. it should be like a tool to navigate through mm-hmm. something difficult so yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah i feel like what i've discovered recently is that poetry and prayer draw from the same well so i think both are trying to articulate or put words around something that feels inexpressible mm-hmm. but it's like us humans doing our best to express <laughs> what we're yeah. what we're feeling or what we see or experiencing um yeah, and so I, of course, think of David in the Psalms, um, and his Psalms were Hebrew poetry. And so seeing the way he just like vacillated from like extreme praise to lament and back and forth, 
I think, mm-hmm. has given me permission in writing poetry to do the same and to like look at past poets whose prayer and poetry like were really blended. Like the very first English class I took in college was a British literature class. Yeah. And the first thing we read was John Donne's um, Holy Sonnet, where he says, batter my heart, three-person God. Yeah. And I came alive. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know poetry and literature could be like this. I just felt something so deeply. And I think since then, I've been trying to wrestle with like the line between poetry and prayer and ultimately realizing there doesn't have to be a line. Mm. <laughs> like it can, it can totally yeah. blend. Um, and I think it's beautiful when it blends um, because so often I think we, um, I don't know, we almost water down our prayers to God, like assuming he doesn't want to hear it all. Um, even if we feel like we're bursting with like thoughts and feelings, I think me personally, I can like restrain them with God a bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think poetry gives me permission just to do it all, like Mm -hmm. say it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think even more than prose, poetry um, seeks to, I mean, you've sort of already said this, um, take the ineffable and wrestle around with it until somehow you have something that you can hold on to Mm-hmm. Always knowing that there's slippage there, right? <laughs> that you that you can't really, you know, the ineffable is ineffable, right? And yeah. yet, and I think that's part of the reason you have such different poems about the same things, yeah, is because yeah. the words can't contain the yeah. ineffable, and but we're it all contains wrestling. a little corner of it. Yeah, yeah, it's right. It's like each poet is kind of like giving their perspective into it, or like that moment in time where they were wrestling with a specific thing. Like, here's what came of it. Yeah. Um, I also think poetry is an, is like writing it and reading it is a way of listening. I think like in terms of like mm-hmm. prayer, a, a way of listening for the Lord's voice or like it's also a way of seeking beauty, finding beauty. And I think that um, that's kind of what prayer mm-hmm. is as well. Like both poetry and prayer connect us to beauty. And um, I just think of that. I think it's Psalm 27 that says like one thing. I ask the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and like, or dwell in the house of the Lord mm-hmm. all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty. And I think like, yeah. when I read poetry, I'm like, I'm gazing upon beauty. And when mm-hmm. I like, I'm praying, I'm like, oh, like, yes. Like, I just want to like, gaze upon your beauty. And I feel like that's like a, a cool like thing that we get to do as artists is just like, position ourselves close to God yeah. and like, write it down or what it, however creative expression mm-hmm. is, like express mm-hmm. it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. In one of your liturgies, now I can't remember which one it is, or it may even be. I, I, by the way, I love the little introductions to each section. I think those are great too. Our poetic interludes. Oh, <laughs> we okay. love them. Yeah, right. we, we added those at the very end of yes. our Did you? writing. Yeah, it think... was this idea we had where we wanted to do poetic prose in addition uh-huh. to poetic prayers. I think just even just to stretch ourselves as writers. It yeah. Was, it yeah. was next you wanted to do. But so thank well, you. either in, I, I'm, now I don't remember. I, I think it was probably in the introduction to the section on wonder. You know, you're talking mm. about the idea, and this also, I think, is in some of the, the liturgies, is the idea that there, there are these beauties all around us that are easy to not pay attention to. Mm. And then we, right. as we pay attention to them, things happen. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and as you say, gazing on the, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, um, also gazing on the beauty of the, created order that the lord made 
Yes. Um, again, yeah. both prayer and poetry are a function of um, paying attention to those things and, and yeah. not letting them pass by. Totally. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, okay, we've touched on the connection between poetry and prayer. While we're at it, liturgy, creative work, right? There's a liturgical mm. component to getting creative work done. Yeah. Um, what kind of what kind of work liturgies did you all inhabit as you were right now? You've already said that you knocked out a dozen or so in one weekend, mm -hmm. but then you but then you also had to write forty eight more. Right. How did that go? By the way, those those probably probably didn't write the next forty eight over. Yeah. <laughs> that was weekend. done in a weekend. Absolutely, <laughs> took a little bit longer. So, it was interesting. Yeah, did you did you have rhythms of work that that were informed by liturgical practices? Mm. That's a Definitely. leading question because, by definition, a rhythm of work is a liturgical. That's right. Is a so true. But it was cool, like discovering our own, like what we each, because I'm sure we did them differently, Audrey. So, like yeah. for me, <clears throat> my practice usually was. To begin with the topic at hand, we had a, a we knew what topics we were going to be writing liturgies on beforehand. I would mm -hmm. take the topic at hand and just I would journal out a rough prayer from my own heart, like just what do I want to say, what am I feeling, what am I experiencing. If it was something that maybe I haven't experienced before, like what can I imagine this experience is like, and I would just write it down, for, like actually pen to paper, um, no. journal out a prayer, um, and then go to scripture and look up like everything I could find. Like, what does God say about this? What are other people, who are other people in scripture that have experienced something akin to this? Um, what happened to them? What did they pray? What did God say to them? All of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then would write a rough draft. And then now it feels like it's getting less into like spiritual liturgy and more into just like the creative practice of like discipline and doing it. Yeah. Um, but it was like blending those two things of it was prayer and it was also discipline. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is interesting because that's kind of what liturgy is. Like liturgy is a form of worship or it's, it's like a form to lead people into lead us into worship. So um, yeah. yeah. What did yours look like, Audrey? Yeah. So this was our first book, like our first full length book that we've ever read. And so mm -hmm. we Indeed were really figuring it out as we went. And like I said, I can't reiterate this enough. We did not intend for this to be a book. And so it came the most delightful surprise. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, learning the liturgy of writing, I love how you phrase that, was so important. I just remembered, I was going on a lot of walks. Uh -huh. I feel like I needed to get my body moving in mm -hmm. order to like get my spirit and mind moving as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, by then, by the time we were writing the book, lockdowns had lifted, you know, we were allowed outside. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a little more freedom in the world. But I wanted to like really just work out ideas with God first before opening the blank page and just going to town. Mm -hmm. And so I went on a lot of walks. I spent a lot of time on my little teeny tiny patio, mm -hmm. like sitting in the sun in the morning with a cup of coffee just like thinking about whatever topic I knew I wanted to write that day and just yeah. kind of like asking God, what do you want to say about this? And even asking God to remind me of who the readers might be. Uh -huh. So 
I've heard an author say before that when he writes, he tries to love the reader. Yeah. And I love that because it really puts the the pressure off us and, right. and more so moves us toward the heart of God for the person who's going to pick up the book. And so I think my writing process was very similar to Elizabeth's where I would just brain dump ideas. Mm-hmm. So as I was, so like, let's say I was writing a liturgy for a lunch break. That's one of the ones I wrote. Yeah. I would just write down everything that I knew about food in scripture. So I would just like go to go to the the index at the back. I would try to recall, you know, I'm like daily bread. I know that's mm-hmm. a thing. That's a thing, yeah. <laughs> and then my own, I would I would reflect on my own lunches and be like, what do I need when I'm mm-hmm. taking a lunch break? Um and then I also would try to read other writings about the topic at hand. So a lot of poetry. There's not very much poetry about lunch. There is Frank O'Hare's <laughs> lunch but <That's> tragedy. <laughs> what was it? Chesterton said that the that poets are mysteriously later. silent on the subject of cheese. I think. <laughs> a gap in the literary canon. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> we need yeah, more exactly. writing about lunch. We must remedy this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so sometimes it was easier. Some topics were easier than others to yeah. research. Um, yeah. but that really filled me. It felt communal to see what other writers that I, mm. yeah. that I admire have said about a topic before. Um, and it helps to like add that human aspect to the prayer so that it's mm-hmm. not like every single line was me just quoting a verse, you know? Right. Um, we, we very much wanted the liturgies to be rooted in scripture first and foremost. Um, but we can't just copy and paste the mm-hmm. NIV. So, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Personally, yeah. that would just mm-hmm. be fun. So. Yeah. so, yeah, that's that was that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the your liturgy for creativity. I want to start. Uh, the, I don't know how many how much how many liturgies we can talk about with our allotted time, but I definitely want to talk about that one. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you if you have it. At <clears throat> I have mine. Okay. Um. So there toward the end of this of this liturgy, uh, you say, we do not create, O God, to bring glory to ourselves. Rather, we create, well, I'm sorry, rather, when we create, we are overshadowed by the wonder of your glory. Let us never worship our art, but let us be enraptured by you. May whatever we create echo your nature and radiate your goodness. Um, I like that idea of uh, being overshadowed. Uh, you know, one way to uh, protect our own work from glory seeking is to be overshadowed mm-hmm. by the glory of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I especially, you know, like that in light of the, the idea that, that the word for glory was something like heaviness, weight, you know, the glory of God is not, is, is not just being something that can shadow, but something that's also heavy. Yeah. Um, and, um, I just I I just love to hear y'all talk some about yeah about that the the yeah. ideas that you play with in that liturgy for for creativity mm. yeah it's interesting that you said like oh go ahead Audrey I just wanted to give Elizabeth credit she wrote this one so all right oh <laughs> I didn't even I was even thinking about that um yeah so Audrey's like yeah you can talk about this <laughs> I thought um, no, but you should totally. <laughs> I just think, Jonathan, it's interesting how you talk about like, yeah, glory being weight. And I just think of like another thing that is weighty is like an anchor and how like the Lord's glory 
it all it yes it overshadows us so this kind of this pleasant i guess like a weighted blanket feel uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we're like pleasantly weighted down with his significance yeah. um because i feel like our our significance or like kind of the the i don't know the the like deceiving bit about our significance is that of course we're very significant beings but when we like place that as like the end all be all significance like the thing that we need to like place above all else mm-hmm. um it's it's not pleasant <laughs> it is not the pleasant waiting down mm-hmm. of like what it's actually quite stressful and it's like very difficult to maintain impossible to maintain our own significance um yeah. and so being able to surrender ourselves to the significance of like god is so freeing i think for me like as a as a creative like it frees me up to be like to be creative mm-hmm. and to not be trying to prove anything to not like my significance is not on the line it's like my my creativity is is something that is just like a response uh-huh. um and a reflection of like a greater glory um mm-hmm. that is it's fixed it's there it's dependable it's anchoring me and so because i'm anchored i'm i'm free to kind of like move out dance create like i'm i'm yeah I'm not proving anything so mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. The best part about writing a book of prayers is that the natural result should be that we're overshadowed by God mm-hmm. and that totally. the significance has nothing to do with us as creators yeah. and right. how well we do it, but rather is one person able to connect with the living God through a prayer that is in this book? Awesome. awesome. Then yeah. we're shadowed so that, that uh, gets that's what's important. Yeah. Absolutely. And the more you look to increase your own significance through creative work, the more doomed you are to failure. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. (laughs) Nothing true. (laughs) If you're not, if you're not working out of your significance, if you're trying to to work into significance, you're in in trouble. Wow. Absolutely. So true. It's just a dead end. It's a path to nowhere. And yeah, and I think yeah, just going off what Audrey said, like these our hope for these liturgies is that they're definitely like not our words. Like that they, these are that these would be like words that other people can take and use for themselves, become their words, mm-hmm. and then be like the mm-hmm. starting point for them to truly like develop their own words for prayer. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's an optional ending for writers for this, uh, <laughs> which I appreciated. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I'd love to talk about some of these ideas, uh, with our remaining time. Um, may we trust you within this route of me to read your, I should let y'all read it, but, but I want to read it. No, please. (laughs) (laughs) May we trust you with the words that come not prematurely judging them as insufficient, but believing they have beauty, a purpose and beauty. Oh, wow. I love that. That, that reminder not to prematurely judge not not to prematurely judge our first drafts of course first drafts are bad (laughs) of course they are are. (laughs) even like when we were talking earlier jonathan about like our liturgies for writing i almost mentioned that like part maybe part of my creative liturgy was writing the rough draft and not judging it prematurely Mm -hmm. yeah like actually like trusting myself and trusting the lord enough to just get out a first draft and trust it and let it be Mm -hmm. and um i feel like that is that's a discipline that's hard to do. So yeah, yeah not prematurely yeah. judging it is insignificant. 
Yeah, it's a um, it's an act of faith. Writing bad first yeah. drafts is an act of faith. And, wow, and, yeah. and that's not I need that tattooed yes. on my forearm. Absolutely, <laughs> act of yeah. faith and not stopping. I think that is we need that because halfway through a rough draft, we can be like, "This is terrible," and like, "I'm giving it all up." Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. but like that pushing through and just being like, you know what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to finish the draft. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like most of the time, I look back and I'm like, okay, I can work with this. Like. Yeah. This is yeah. something really, we just need to like throw the clay on the wheel. That's all that needs to happen. Yes. Like we're starting yeah. from nothing. We just need some source material to yeah. work with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that voice that says this is terrible may not be wrong. It may be yeah. terrible <laughs> it at this might moment. Be terrible. And, um, but you know, that uh, I often talk about the need uh, not to silence your inner critic, but to make friends and to say, Ooh. hey, thank you, inner critic, for wow. being willing to help. But you need to be quiet here. But we'll, we'll, you know, We'll get back to you. Absolutely. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank appreciate you. your service. And, yes. But at the moment, I need you to maybe go find something else to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, that Jonathan, is such a you're good. speaking to my soul. Yes. <laughs> such good writer advice. Speaking and just life advice. <laughs> like we're going to have a critic and inner voice for everything in life. Like not yeah. even just our creativity, but sure. relationships, faith, mm -hmm. just living, mm -hmm. work, vocation. So learning to talk to it. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that is, that's, that's really good food yeah. for that. And I, I, and, and at the same time, you know, befriending the inner critic um, and also knowing the difference between what is the actual inner critic and what is something I've internalized from somebody else that that's not really my mm -hmm. opinion or my yeah. taste or my whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that's even harder than befriending the inner critic is knowing, mm -hmm. you know, what's the inner critic and what is, an, an external voice. Yeah. Now that yeah. I think about it, I just had this conversation with your, uh, your fellow New Yorker, Melanie Penn. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but it will have been over a month since that episode aired. So we'll be fine to, for me to repeat myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I just listened to that. Episode. Please do. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, we are, we're about to run out of time, and I, but I want to have time for, for my last, because there's two of you, I need extra time for my last question. Okay. And that is who are the writers who make you want to write? Oh, um, that's a good question. I know. Oh, wow. I'm happy to start it. with either one of you or we can draw straws, whatever we need to do here. <laughs> Go for it, Elizabeth. Wow. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to volunteer you, but okay. You, can do it. <laughs> you got this. Um, I will quickly throw out two poets and a musician and that's okay. all the poets are mary oliver and david white those are two poets that i read on a regular basis okay. i have multiple of their poems memorized just because i've read them so many times uh -huh. um but they are both people that bring out i think um they make poems, prayers without you realizing they're prayers. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like anyone can pray <laughs> while reading their poetry, even if they don't consider themselves religious, or uh -huh. even if they're like, I've never really prayed before, but all of a sudden I feel like I'm connecting with a higher power. <laughs> That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that they, they make um, like spirituality um, or just like, yeah, connecting is, with. Is David White from the Pacific Northwest? Is he... He is Irish, and I don't know. Oh, where he yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a contemporary of John O'Donohue. Gotcha. Has passed, but um, David White is amazing. His collection, The Bell, he has several collections, but The Bell and the Blackbird, I think, might be his most recent. Also wrote uh -huh. The House of Belonging. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> and then this is just a random fun thing. 
but I think that Maggie Rogers <laughs> inspires me to write. Yes. Um, just because she, I just still remember watching the YouTube video of like when Pharrell discovered her. Oh, so <laughs> and good. I was so inspired by her just like being herself and him being so captivated by her just like literally being herself. I went out and wrote like the best poem I've ever written right after yeah. watching that, <laughs> that YouTube video. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, we just have to be ourselves. We just yeah. have to write from our heart. Ah, yes. and then I was a revelation. Like, was so inspired. So that was a very inspirational moment for me. That's great. Yeah. Audrey, how about you? Who are the writers that make you want to write? Uh, wow. I mean, I could echo all of those, like all three. Just well, you three. can't because you got to give a new answer. Yes. New, I my don't new make the rules. Is. I just enforce them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, totally understandable. I would say fiction writers stir me up the most, mm. um, particularly writers of fiction that's like fiction that's very quiet mm -hmm. and less centered on plot and more centered on characterization. Like uh -huh. I am more excited about a description of a like boiling pot, <laughs> just uh -huh. a chapter describing a pot than I would be like a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. um, so some writers that come to mind are Marilyn Robinson, of mm -hmm. course. Oh. Um, yeah. Alice McDermott. I read two mm -hmm. of her novels this year and I am yeah. a devoted fan now. Um, Kazuo Ishiguro, oh, Never yeah. Let Me Go, is just one of my all-time faves. Yeah. And Claire in the Sun, which is newer uh -huh. from him. Um, Jhumpa Lahiri, her uh. short reflection, Interpreter of Maladies. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. so quiet and so nuanced. And yeah. like, I just look up to her so much. Toni Morrison, mm -hmm. I mean, Wayne. Yeah. Flannery O'Connor. Oh my God. Like the patron oh, I mean, in different ways, all of those fiction writers just I feel like I just have like their like quotes from their work just written down written down all over my room and in this journal I keep of quotes. Mm -hmm. Um and if you were to read it, it would look so uninspiring. But like, <laughs> the context of their work, their writing is just so good and every sentence is perfect. And you yeah. can tell each word they care about each word that they mm -hmm. use. Mm -hmm. Um and then Wendell Berry. I yeah. mean Wendell Berry, his fiction um which i feel like gets less attention than his poetry and his nonfiction. Mm -hmm. it's so quiet like nothing really happens but it's yeah. beautiful and that's yeah. for that yeah for writing we love him fiction. For that. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i know i i i love that list um oh. that's a lot of my people would you know were on that list too so amazing all right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for these liturgies. Uh, they do a lot of people a lot of good. And thank you for being on the Habit Podcast. Thank you, oh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Such a joy. Yeah. Such a joy. Thanks. Really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.